going to be, um, you see it's in Ephesians chapter 1, we're going to be, verse 1, chapter 1, verse 1. That's about as far as we're going to get today. There's a lot there. We're going to jump around a bit for a few other scriptures, um, but we're going to start here. And um, I'm trying to figure out how to, how to title this. And, uh, because you know, it's been something. This has been something on my heart the last few days. And um, the, the God who's sovereign, uh, the God who works, as Ephesians one eleven talks about, He's the God who works all things according to the counsel of His will, and the purposes of His will. He works all things. You hear the scripture: He works all things for the good for those who love Him. Right? You think, well, yeah, it's, you know, the good in my life. I know the things. He, he works. All things that are each one of your life with other people and other times. God's doing all over the earth. He's working all those things together according to the counsel and purpose of His will. He's, he's looking to bring people to salvation, even as we prayed earlier. And so that's what we're going to talk about here. You can say, well, here's the first verse. Let's read it. It says, let's actually pray. God, I pray as we spend time in your word, um, just as you taught us, God, your kingdom. God, your rule would just come to this place and this time and this space we are in with you and your word. And I pray, God, your rule would be done. What's in heaven would become real in us right now in these moments. In your name we pray. Amen. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Paul. Who is this guy, Paul? You know, Paul writes this letter here to this, the church that's in Ephesus. The, you notice the, the letter to the, the Ephesians. But who is Paul? Paul is, was known as an apostle. As it says here, but before he was an apostle, who was Paul? He was Saul. And if you were to read in Philippians his own description, he was a, uh, a, a self-righteous, religious Pharisee. And uh, Proud of his heritage as, as being Jewish, and he had a zeal for God and for the law, and, 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 and then he hated the church. He hated who the church represented, and he was set on persecuting and arresting them and trying to stop what was happening in the church. That's who Paul was prior to Paul. That was Saul. That was who he was, right? And, um, and then we see Acts 7 is when Paul. Saul is first mentioned. It's uh, it's at the it's at the stoning of Stephen, the first martyr of the church. Persecution is broken out in the church that's it's it's uh, starting to grow, and and uh, they're persecuting Stephen. And in these moments, he's being uh, stoned. Saul is overseeing that and approving of what's happening. And Saul is is uh, is one of the lead ones in, in persecution. And in, in chapter eight, and see, we read that Paul goes over. Saul, I can get this and that up. Saul at this time is going around. He's he's looking to bring uh, to imprison Christians and followers of Christ. And looking, he's pushing persecution, and it's starting to increase in, in uh, on the on the church at this time. And then in, in Acts, we have something that happens to Paul. Right, just as we were praying earlier, that God would interrupt people's lives right now, right here in our town. Right, here's Saul, the persecutor of the church. Hater of the church. 
He's on his way to Damascus. He's been given um, these orders by the religious leaders in Jerusalem to go to Damascus and to find these Christians and bring them back bound and arrested back to put them and be in prison back in Jerusalem. That's what he's going there for. That's who Saul is. And he's on the way there, and all of a sudden, bright light happens. Has that happened to you yet? I know it's happened to me. The bright light comes, we're knocked off our knocked off our feet, we're knocked down, and we're wondering what is happening in our life. And here he is, he's knocked down, and he is confronted by Jesus. Why are you persecuting me? And he's like, Who are you? I'm Jesus. You mean to go to Damascus and you'll be told what to do. And so, you can't see at this point, but he's led, he's got companions with him, they lead him into Damascus, and he goes there, and they leave him there, and he's waiting there for three days, and while this happened, there's another disciple named Ananias. So I wonder why God chose Damascus for this to happen, because it was a faithful disciple named Damascus. I mean, named Ananias in Damascus, who was going to say, yes, Lord, I'll go do it. He's looking for faithful ones, too. And so, Ananias... Is there, and he, God tells him, tells him, go to Paul, to, to Saul, and he's going like, wait a minute, that's the guy that's persecuting us. He's going, he's arresting people. Go, I need to tell him because you're going to give him the message of what I've called him to do and to be, why I've chosen him. And then Ananias goes, he finds Saul, and in his moments, he lays hands on Saul, and Saul, in his blindness, is, he's, he's, he's receives his sight, and he's filled with the Holy Spirit in that moment, and he's empowered, and guess what the first thing he does? The one that's persecuting the church goes out preaching Jesus immediately. What a change, right? That's what we were praying for earlier. Here we have this story. Oh, God interrupts his life, and the one who was the persecuted church who was searching out and arresting and binding bound Christians and imprisoning them has been sought out by Jesus, arrested by Jesus, and has been bound to Jesus, and now is fulfilling his ministry, joining Jesus in his ministry to people still. And here's a change. God interrupts. So let's go back now to verse 11, or verse 1, if you could, can. And this is an apostle of Jesus Christ. How? By the will of God. By the will of God. So he uses this description, this phrase, by the will of God, to describe him being an apostle. It wasn't by chance. It wasn't something he achieved. It was not his wisdom. It's not his power. It's not something he tried to become. It was something God did. God intervened, interrupted his life in those moments. And Paul realizes, Paul realizes his call, his mission is not his own, it's God's. And it's a gift he has given to him and called him to. It's not something he's going to achieve, but God's set him apart. God has called him. God has chosen him. And he knows it. He understands that. See, this is his new identity. So when he said, we got, Paul, who are you? I'm an apostle. I have been chosen by Jesus Christ himself, empowered by him, and he has sent me to be a part of his mission. That's his identity. He knows who he is. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to know who we are. And he knows who he is. Now this is the, I don't know if you've ever heard this, where there's a received ministry and there's an achieved ministry. 
There's a received identity and there's an achieved identity. An achieved identity or achieved uh, ministry is something you do by yourself. You, it's all your work. You have to start it. You have to maintain it. It's your efforts. And it's all for your own fame. And you're trying to keep up this image. That's not what Paul has here. He has something he's received. A received ministry is a gift given to us. It's a gift that God gives to him. A new identity. It can't be changed. It's his by God's by God's authority, given to him and called on him, called him to, and empowered by God to maintain and, and fulfill this ministry, not for his fame, but for whose fame? Jesus' fame. This is a received ministry. Every one of us has one. Every one of us has a received identity. Not something we're called to achieve, but to embrace as God's gift to us. And Paul understands it. He says, I'm an apostle by the will of God, by the will of God, the Almighty. And he says, he writes, he says, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Jesus Christ. Now this is, uh, let's share some things about Ephesus uh, or the church, uh, the Ephesian church here um, to understand, it makes a connection to, to God's will and God's sovereignty and working and interrupting people's lives and what he can do. And so one said, his, his, his hearts be changed to think God can still do this kind of stuff today. Amen. We need to be shaken up to realize this is the same God that served Paul, that Paul served rather, that we serve also. That worked in Paul's day, works in our day. This is the same God, the same God is yesterday, today, and what? Forever. This is who we serve. And, he, and we're going to look at, I want to look at some of the things how God uses Ephesus, the church there, the Ephesians there. And, and so he says, he writes to them, and it's, it's, uh, there's a few places it mentions, it's not, it's, it's not just mentioned in Ephesians, this, you know, like, oh, oh, this is the only place we've heard of you know, the church in Ephesus. No, it's not the first time it's, it's heard of. It's in, it's in the book of Acts, right in times. And so I'm going to go there and read a couple of uh, verses. The first one is, is uh, Ephesians 18, 19 through 21. And we're going to hit a couple of them. We're going to start to see the connection, how God sovereignly interrupts, brings people together, and also God's Spirit's poured out and God works in people's lives. Now this is, uh, Paul spent some time, just prior to Paul's been in Corinth, he's been there a while, he's preached the gospel in Corinth, and he's made the decision to go back to Antioch. And so he's going to go back there, and he's got some companions with him that he's, he's going back to travel there. And we're going to pick up here in verse 19. It says, They came to Ephesus, and he left them there, but he himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. That's what Paul always did. He'd come to a town, what he did, go to the synagogue, and he reasoned with the Jews, and tried to explain to him who Jesus is through the Old Testament. And here he does it again. And when they asked him to stay for a longer period, he declined. But on taking leave of them, he said, I will return to you if God wills. And he set sail from Ephesus, and he was heading back to Antioch. Is there a familiar phrase there that was just in Ephesians chapter 1? The will of God. Here we have it. It's the same where we, uh, if God wills, I'll return, he tells them. And back in Ephesians 1, he said, I'm apostle by the will of God. Here's Paul's first visit. He's Stopped in, in the synagogue, he's, he's sharing uh, the message of Jesus with them, and uh, it's, he's, it's well received, and they're, and they're wanting to stay longer, and he goes, no, I'm going to go. 
Wait a minute, it's an open door, Paul. What are you doing? What would we do? Oh, this is good. They're receptive. It tells you a bit about Paul and his understanding God's sovereign. God's got a purpose. He's working all things to the counsel of his will in, in Ephesians 1 11. There's God's will. He's, he's, he's sensitive to this. This is He's not saying, like, sometimes we'll say, well, if God wills, I'll be there. We can just say this sometimes. Sometimes we say it and we don't really say it with the authority of Paul saying, no, I'll return if it's God's will. For Paul, this was no minor statement. He understands God's will. God had called and God had interrupted his life. And he was going to follow God wherever it led. Just as Jesus said, I could do what my father's doing. And, she, and here Paul is doing the same thing. I know it's a, an open door, but I, I'm being led to go somewhere else right now. And he, he continues on. It's important for us to understand. We need to be sensitive to who? Not to the people. Yes, we do to some degree, but to the Holy Spirit. Where is he leading? What's he doing? Jesus says in John chapter 5, I see what the Father is doing and I join him. That's what we're called to do. Respond to what the Father's doing. Because we can only do what He's doing by the power of the Holy Spirit that's working in those moments. And He understands that. And he's following God's will. Let's go to Acts 16, verse 6 through 10. This is Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas now, and Paul had been on trips with Barnabas, and they split up, and Barnabas goes with some with uh, John Mark, and, and here Paul heads out in chapter 16 with, with Silas for a mission trip. He's going on a mission journey. They're heading out to preach the gospel and reach to the churches they've been to and, and to further advance the kingdom into in uh, hopefully Asia. But here it says they, they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia and having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. That's weird. Remember the first time I read that, why would the Holy Spirit forbid speaking the word to a certain area? Paul says it right here. Luke records what happens with Paul. Paul's told him what's happened. The Holy Spirit forbid us. And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go to, to Bith Bithynia. But the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision immediately, he sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that, the God, that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now this is Acts 16. Acts 18 is when he first goes to Ephesus, like this year. And he, he's got a good welcome, open door, but God's moving him elsewhere, so he leaves there. But before that, in Acts 16, when he first goes out on his missionary journey, he starts here, and he's, he's heading out, and he's attempting to go into Asia. That's what he's trying to do. Guess what's in Asia? Ephesus. Ephesus is there. That's, that, that's where he'll eventually end up showing up in, in chapter 19. But 16, he's going there, and the Holy Spirit is, is, is forbidding them at that time and directing them elsewhere. And, and I want to say, here's, here's this bigger picture. This, this is Paul understands God's will. I'm apostle by God's will. I'll return if it's God's will. His understanding that he's trying to follow where his life. See, here's this bigger, grand, redemptive story of God over all creation, right? And Paul sees this. 
And he understands. And we see this as he's working. And, he's, and, he's, and in these moments, Paul's got his personal life, just like you and me. And he's trying to follow what the Holy Spirit's directing him to do. And he's trying to live his, his life. And this applies also to a, a local community like you guys. We're trying to live our life individually and corporately in alignment with this grander story. It's not about our story. It's his story. We understand that. It's, it's his ministry. It's his heart. And he calls people at certain times, at different places, to, to move and to do things. Here, Paul understands that. He's, he's showing this in a picture for us to see this. We need to catch it a glimpse. God is sovereign over all things, and he's working all things to the counsel of his will and his purposes. And he calls us to be sensitive and to be attentive to the Holy Spirit as he's leading us. In our moments, so we can say, I want to live my life in alignment with what you're, God, you're, you're doing, God, over all the earth. That's what we're called to do. Here's this picture. God didn't interrupt Paul's life for nothing. It was for a specific purpose, and it has the same for you. He did not interrupt your life and call you to be his for nothing. To do whatever you want, just think, oh, this is what God's doing, I'm not doing this. No, God's got a specific purpose for us as individuals and as a community. So we can live that life in the middle of our time and space that we live in history in alignment with his grander story that's been going on for how many years? I don't know. God's doing stuff, and we're called to be a part of that and live in alignment with that. <sighs> Acts 19. Let's go to Acts 19. Am I making sense? Yes. Now you know what's been on my heart this last couple of days. Because God's been stirring me about my personal life and what I'm supposed to be doing. And I want to stir your heart individually and corporately to do the same thing, to be sensitive to God. 19, 1 through 10. And this is where Paul makes his way, he finally makes his way back. In 18, he said, I'll be back if God wills. Guess what, in 19, he's coming back. It's God's timing. God's timing is what matters. 19, 1 through 10. And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country. He's now, he's now not been forbidden to go into Asia. He's in there. And he comes to Ephesus, and there he found some disciples, and he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Wow. God is good. He comes to them to give them the promise. Just as he did the promise, right? Amen. They, and he said, into what then were you baptized? They said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him. That is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were about 12 men in all. And he entered the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way, 
before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. This continued for two years, so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and, Gen Jews and Greeks. It sounds like a revival. Right? That every resident heard. Shortly after Paul arrives here, he arrives in Ephesus, right? He comes to Ephesus, he finally comes back, and he encounters these 12 disciples. And uh, they're, uh, they've not heard of the Holy Spirit, right? And they only knew of John's teaching, John the Baptist's teaching. They've been baptized under John's teaching. And uh, so Paul says, we're going to baptize you. And he lays his hand on them, and they get filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues and prophesying. And Paul, from there, goes to the synagogue, as we read. And he, and he taught there for three months. And at first, it's, it's a real warm reception. They're, 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 they're engaged with him. And then things turn a little hostile. And he says, i got to leave. And he leaves there, and he goes to this, uh, the, the, the hall of Tyrannus. And he goes there, and he continues to teach there for two years. It says many people in Ephesus and the surrounding area. This all of Asia. I mean, that's a large mass of people. That he. It's it's like the epicenter. There's the, the God's gospel. Ephesus, who he says, I'll, I'll be back. God forbids him earlier to go there. Now he comes back. It's God's timing, and he's not just going to interrupt Paul's life. He's going to interrupt the whole of Asia. Right? It becomes, Ephesus becomes a, a megaphone. It, you know, he's got this, this, this thing that's sounding out, Jesus is Lord. Right? And people are hearing it, and it's going out. It's revival. The same God that did that then, what can he do right now? The same thing. The same God who was working all those events to bring Paul to intersect in that moment with these 12 disciples and to start with, and all of a sudden, all of Asia starts to hear the gospel. And it goes out. We need to see the sovereignty of God. Even the, actually, we're the, you know, the, the, the hall of Tyrannius, you know, the, the, the root word for, for Tyrannius is, is uh, tyrant or sovereign. He goes to teach in the hall of the sovereign. And he's teaching about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. The rule of God. And it goes out over all of Asia. Now here we are now 2,000 years later and we can see God's sovereignty in them. We can see God working all things according to the counsel of His will, right? People being intersected at a strategic place, a strategic time for God to interrupt an area. It's Ephesians 1, 11 actually is is that 111? Ephesians 111, there you go. It says, and, and this is the introduction. I love one of my favorite epistles is Ephesians. And one of Paul, one of the major themes Paul brings out in, in, in Ephesians is the sovereignty of God. And here's one, one great verse. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of as I read earlier, Isaiah 46, he's the one who declares the end from the beginning and makes it so. He's working over all things. 
And we need to see this. We need to understand that. We're, we're living our lives. Because sometimes it's a battle, right? We sang a song. Who's with us in the battle? He's with us in the battle. We can't forget. Not that he's only with us. And, okay, we're going to get through this by the skin of our teeth. No, we are going to thrive in the midst of this. Because God's bigger than we are and working things and working us into his story. And we have to rest in that, in God being sovereign, even in our hardships, our, our suffering and struggles. And this started, this started here, the significant, the significant church here in Ephesus that has this significant influence in this area, guess what they started with? An insignificant, what seems like insignificant, small group of men. That's what it started with. It became a significant influence in the country. Not because they're great, not because of their works, but because of who? Because of God, our King. Interrupted right then in those moments. <clears throat> so don't despise what appears or seems to be small. I would encourage you, don't despise what seems to be small or insignificant, whoever you are, wherever you are, you're part, you are part of God's grand, glorious plan, His will. You can rest in that. You need to rest, we need to, we need to have that deep down in us. Really do. Paul says, back to Ephesians 1, 1, it says, uh, Paul, the apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. I want to pick up on the word faithful. These faithful saints in Christ Jesus, they're trustworthy, they're loyal, can be counted on, diligent, consistent, and they hold to someone. His name is Jesus. And they hold to something, his cause and his people. Remember, these 12 disciples that Paul met when he came back to Ephesus, they, they, they had not heard about the Holy Spirit, right? Since he, they didn't know about the Holy Spirit, they didn't know there even was one. And so, here they are. They remained faithful with what they had. What they had was the message of repentance. And the promise that John's message was that there was one coming after me whose shoes I cannot die. I, he's greater. He's the one. And they were waiting for the promise. Who shows up? Paul shows up, shares the message. The promise comes. Not only Jesus, but the Holy Spirit. The other part of the promise that he would pour out on them. And here, these are these faithful. They were faithful with what they had. Faithful, loyal, true to the one they knew and what they knew to that point. And there, in their, their faithfulness, they became part of the building blocks of this outpouring in Asia through this church Ephesus. These 12 faithful ones. The question is, what I have for you and for me, it's not just for you, but this is something I need to wrestle with as well, is what are we going to be faithful with? Are we going to be faithful with what God has given us? Are we going to be faithful with what God, God is 
to let us know with who He is and holding on to Him and what He's called us to be. Are we going to be faithful? Are we going to be loyal, consistent, persevering, even when it doesn't seem like things make a difference? Here are these guys, this, they waited a long time between the, the, uh, the message of John the Baptist and Paul showing up. But if we're faithful, you know, we can be faithful. Like, it's not just them. Who else was faithful? Ananias. Now I say faithful like, like, well, there's Paul who was faithful in his calling. And that's his big calling, right? And then there's the, Ananias. He's just known as a disciple. That's all he's known. It's the only time we hear him. He's there. It's, he's faithful in those moments that God calls him by the Spirit to go do these things. And then there's the 12, holding on to what seems like something very insignificant in the message. It's not the full message. But God still uses them as they're being faithful. No matter where you are at in that scheme of things from, from the 12 to Paul, we're called to be faithful to that which we've been given. The question is, will we? If we are, God's always faithful. Always faithful. And He's going to work with us in those moments. And He's called us to be faithful. We can count on Him to be faithful. You know, and what I say is, it's, He's not going to make us famous. He's not going to make us significant. He's going to make His name significant. And He's going to make His name famous. When we're faithful, then He'll be faithful to use us, just like He used those 12, He used Ananias, and He used Paul. In the end, it's about Jesus becoming famous and becoming a significant one for others to know the salvation we have in Jesus. And that's what we're called to be in our faithfulness so He can become famous through us, right? And then He says, Ephesians 1, 1, He says, to the saints, saints. Now, some of you may have heard this, and I don't know for sure who who've heard this before or not, but I, I, I feel I'm supposed to share this because along with Paul, Paul said he's an apostle by the will of God. You're a saint. He said, what do you mean I'm a saint? You're a saint. What's a saint? Someone that's holy one. You, you don't know me, Kenny. I, I don't know about being holy. You don't know me either. But I know I'm holy in Christ. I know I'm righteous in Him. He's given me His righteousness. Yes, I struggle with things just as you do. And if I say, raise your hands if you struggle with no one, no one raise your hands. I know you're already struggling because you're lying. <laughs> we all deal with this. But he's letting us know, Paul's writing to these, these believers. He's a majority of them are pagans. That's where they came from, their background. And he's saying, you are saints. You are a holy one. You are set apart from being of common use to be used for divine things. Set, set from, taken from worldly things to be purposed for kingdom things. That's who you are. You're talking about the bigger story. God's working this and we're called to work in alignment. We're not going to work in alignment with our personal story until we understand who we really are. It's not just we need to know who God is. We need to know who we are in Christ. And Paul's letting them know right from the very beginning, I'm an apostle because of the will of God. And I'm writing to you that are saints. I'm writing to you who are holy ones. You that have been taken from the common use of things and the worldly use of things, but you use something that is divine. Something is of kingdom worth and kingdom destiny. God's called you to that. You need to know that. 
Not just individually, but as a church. Now, they were a church. Now, it's not like we think it's institution is a struggle. They were loads of home churches that were relationally connected, knowing they were relationally connected to only God but each other, being a part of God's cause and His mission in the world. They understood who they were. They were set apart. And Paul is reminding them of that. And I want to remind you of that. Not only the greater story, but the God who interrupts and calls us. When we call this, I've been called 37, almost 35 years ago. I don't know about you, but like, I can't, I need to remember who I was and who I am. You do too. That's what you were. You're no longer that. You are something different. You are a holy one, set apart for God's kingdom use and power. We need to continue to remind ourselves of this. Because guess what? The world is reminding us of, of the exact opposite. Right? We're being hammered by other things trying to draw us down from who we are. We need to remind ourselves of this and each other. This is our state of being. It's not just some name that we call ourselves by. This is who I, this is a state of being. This is your identity. This is Paul said, I am an apostle. You are one set apart by God. This is your identity. And it's not because you earned it. It's not something you achieved. You could never achieve this. We could never. God gives it to us as a gift. And Paul is reminding us of what we have been given in Christ by virtue of his love for us and the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. And he writes it in the present tense. He says, you are. Are. It's not you're going to be. Wait till you get to heaven and you'll be a saint. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're going to wait a while. No, right? I want to hear you argue. No, that's not right. That's not true, Ken. She's not going to be. She is. And Paul writes it in the present tense for them to realize, own this. I want you to own this. you got to own this. Let that sink down deep inside. It's got to take hold of you. You've got to become aware of who you are, whose you are. And the God who rules over all things has called you. He's interrupted your life. And he's uh, qualified you to be what he's called you to be. So what are we going to do with what we've heard and learned this morning? That's the question. As we come to a close here, now this is this is not just for you. I'm preaching to myself. I want you to know that. This is something that God is stirring in my heart. As, um, and I, don't know if, some, I don't know if all of you know that, but I, 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 I've retired now. It's been a year since I've been a pastor. And so I'm like in transition. Like, God, what's next? What do you want me to do? You know, I know, God, you, there's something more for me still to do. How does, that, how does that look in my life? How do I live that in alignment with your greater story? So this is something I've been wrestling through and praying and seeking God about. And so this is stirring in my heart. And even as I say these things to you, is for me, he said, what are, what are you going to do, Kenny, with what you just talked about? It's not just for you, it's for me. For all of us. What are we going to do with what we just talked about? What are we going to do with what we just learned? 
And uh, I'm going to close with reading a scripture from another scripture about Ephesians. It's not on your list, uh, Joy. I have it. It's Acts 20, verse 24. It's the last. It's the last time Paul sees the Ephesian church elders. He's headed towards Rome, uh, where he'll eventually end up dying. And, uh, and he's on his travels there. He calls the Ephesian elders who come to meet him, and he's talking to them about their relationship and what he's done with them. In this verse 24, this is what Paul says. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may, fin I may finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord to testify to the good news of the grace of God. He said, at this point, my, it doesn't matter. My life is not what's important right now. Now, Paul's at a different place than probably most of us are. But he's come to a place of realizing this, there's more to this life than just this life. And while I'm having this life, while, it, while I still have breath in my lungs, as we sang earlier, I want to finish my course. I want to finish my ministry. I want to finish my service. And we use the word ministry like it's something like only those people can do stuff. No, it's, he's talking the word means service. I want to finish the service that God has called me to, that God interrupted my life for. And I need to finish it. I need to finish it well. And so what we've learned today, I want to challenge you with that. Finishing well. Finishing the course God has called you to. Wherever it may be. It could be... Uh, just like the 12, that you're holding on. And he's thinking like, this is, this is all I've got. They were faithful. And guess what happened to their faithfulness? All of Asia heard the gospel. Ananias, when God calls you to do certain things, respond to him. Wherever it is, be obedient to the Holy Spirit. Be faithful and obedient. That's one thing we need to learn. Embrace this bigger story. Embrace that you have a place in it and try to live your life in alignment with that story. And finish that course. And then um, Acts 4.17. I'm not Acts. Colossians 4.17. It's actually Paul writes to Colossians. I like this. It's like the very end of the book. And he he's tells, tells the, the Colossian church to say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry you have received from the Lord. That would be my last thing to say to you. See that you that you fulfill the ministry you have received from the Lord individually and as a church. Amen.